Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, Ned. Yep. I got I got batteries. I, I'm fully reloaded. That's good. That's good to hear. And I'm recording, which is also <clears throat> a huge advantage when podcasting, um, because mm. we've always, I think we've always followed the podcasting rules, haven't we? Ever since the outset of how to do it, because we went on a podcasting course sponsored by Melinda Apples back in the day. Do you remember that long weekend retreat, retreat in Trento? It's fantastic. Yeah, the uh, the boot camp. The way they looked after us, they laid on. Well, p- ah, apples was really, wasn't it? It was for breakfast. It was yeah, a, it was apples. A pick your own shaking trees. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that's how you, how you did it. Apple crumble in oh, the evenings. Just, um, oh, cider. Cider at, at lunch. Yeah. And then a little apple. Apple, apple. juice over Weetabix in yeah. the morning. Mm. No, they really and sorted us out in the, in, in the early days and they taught us how to podcast. So it would be churlish to say, it'd be churlish to say we weren't grateful to I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's fine, you know. The the the, the difficult bit's passed now. Just we can move look, on. Look back on it with with rose tinted apple apple tinted rose tinted <laughs> apple tinted glasses. Actually, joking apart, when you get a, when, do you ever eat? Yeah, of course you do. Of course you do. Of course you eat um terrible sweets. I know you do because you and I normally devour an entire. Sort of motorway service yeah, station Haribo. size yeah, yeah. Haribo pack. But you know when you get yeah. <clears throat> kind of um, Starburst or something like that, you know, one of those sweets, aren't apple, the apple flavoured ones, always the best, don't you think? They are quite good. It's got a little, like a little tingly at the back of your jaw. little acidic kick. Mm. That's how I describe they it. They are nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very good. Uh, what's going on? What's new? How was uh, Ruler Alive? Well, we did that last time, didn't we? I think. Oh, did we? we? Yeah, we yeah, did speak about that. Spoke about that. Did we? Yeah. It might have done. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> might have done. Um, I don't think much has happened. Yeah. We were going to podcast immediately after the last pod, and I kind of had a slight panic. I said, I'd better go out and do uh, something. That's why. i better go out and have some experiences. But didn't you go back again? Did you do more stuff after that? Did I, you go back there? To... Yeah, I did. A, I'm trying to remember which evening that's we where recorded. I'm con- that's where I'm pod. confused. I did cause... go back and recorded a kind of, um, oh, with Alec. Briggs and uh, Laura Laker. There you go. That's what I saw. And yeah. um, Maria David. It was about David. London and stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, about, it was about cycling in London. And I really enjoyed it, actually, David, because I was expecting it to be a kind of forum about, you know, negativity and how things aren't quite right and everything. And actually, it was just a celebration of how... Just grassroots joy. Yeah, and how... And, how, um, and it really only just occurred to me when, it, you know, while especially Alec and Maria were talking, and Laura to some extent as well, were... How London, you know, each city celebrates its, or, 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 or celebrates us is a, is a rubbish word. Um, each city produces its kind of individual cycling culture that reflects 
its passage, you know, through time and kind of its demographics and its culture. And London's done that exactly as you would imagine it would do, you know. So it's actually quite cool, the multiplicity of different people. You know, some recent mm. some recent research was published by TfL about, um, you know, one of the big criticisms of the, the you know, the, kind of like the, the big cycling boom in London was quite a white middle class male sort of phenomenon. Mm. And that's changing... Oh, this chimes with your business a little bit, doesn't it, with chapter three, but mm. that, that's changing rapidly. Mm. And um, yeah, it's, it's, rapidly it's happening. much, much more democratic and diverse and unexpectedly, mm. you know, those, those population groups that have been kind of traditionally hard to reach are actually kind of much more involved than you, than they had been previously and that you might imagine they would be. So it's, um, yeah, it's good. It was a really positive vibe. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah. You were, you like Alec. You like what? Alec. Alec, yeah, he's cool. He is very cool. He's, he's very cool. Yeah, isn't he? But he's just yeah. so nice. He's just so. It's, uh, I noticed with Legion that team in the states as well, which is breaking down all those barriers. Yeah, who are they? Um, do you know how much do you know about them? Because they, it's Justin Williams, um, and started very much as born of a better term, like an African American black team, and they in Los Angeles. Did you say in Los Angeles? Is that where the Los that, Angeles yeah. is where they started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're bringing in kind of, it's almost like they're bringing in the waifs and strays, uh, kind of, and it doesn't matter women, uh, men, n- no matter your background, you could be white middle class, you could be Hispanic, you could be black. It's, it's really interesting what they're doing. And they're, they're making a big, a big statement. But what they're doing is very much what Alec Briggs does as well. It's not just about elite racing because mm. they're not elite racing. They're not a world tour. It's not even, it got recently where they, they created their own criterion because they, they refuse to race the, and they're an American criterion team. So they don't really have that many options of racing. But when it was revealed that the boss of the American criterion federation or something, um, there, there were many accusations uh, regards him regards her. I, i'm not sure what they were um oh, it's okay because the never strays far legal compliance team will definitely have a listen to this it's before good. it goes so out it's so, 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 so it's absolutely fine it's waterproof yeah, yeah it's bombproof that's whatever. what yeah. i've been invited what i've been advised to say mm-hmm. um and they immediately put out a statement saying well we're out we're not going to race okay. uh, which is pretty interesting because it's their bread and butter and then within a matter of weeks they created their own race um and I think it was in Austin. They're called the Lion's Den. They created their own crit and it was a big success. But also what they're they're also doing with Legion, it's it's very much what Alec Briggs is doing with his team Techers, is they're they engage with grassroots, they're yep. encouraging kids, they do kind of little like we did with Melinda Melinda Apples. Um you go and do little boot camps and they're teaching you how to do things. Yep. Um yeah, it's really interesting. And I, I think it's where a lot of the twenty somethings like this new generation of cycling fans coming through connect much more to that vibe than they do to the world tour. Um, so it's, it's, I'm curious about it because I'm so far removed from that. And it's not something I was brought up with in the elite racing world was to get, get down and do grassroots stuff. It was more get out, like get out of the grassroots and kind of go and go into the, into the big show. But there is this new wave, which is, no, we stay in touch with the grassroots and we're quite happy to race, uh, just do these kind of, not local races, but you know what I mean? They're not kind of uh, on the big stage. But uh, yeah, so Legion is now leading the way. And I think it's pretty interesting because they're, they're, they're really kind of 
getting some clout regards their their worth mm. you know they're, they're they're getting some big deals now i think and they get a lot of coverage and goes to show if you do something right uh, uh, you can do well well they're probably um, they're probably incredibly and this isn't decrying them this is applauding them they're probably incredibly savvy with the way that social media work right and creating a brand through social media which is something i think the world tour teams generally speaking are pretty lame at um mm. and so yeah and that's just so important isn't it because that's the way you get your message out and that's the way you grow something now and we're, yeah, we're hopelessly they're, they're, they're bad at it a brand. yeah 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 they're building a brand whereas most teams most world tour cycling teams aren't building brands they're just going for chasing points so mm. so that and the brand is generally the title sponsor at the time and so the team represents them or they're buying into the team's success yeah whereas with these smaller teams they they they're not tied to anything they're not tied to 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 a brand book they're they're writing as they go along and and i think the new generation are seeing through this and when you say about the social media thing it's it's really interesting because the people see through it now they see fake they see too polished they see um made up stories but if you you kind of you're honest and it's a bit raw People are like, oh yeah, no, that's that's okay. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to pay attention. Um, so yeah, I, I I think it's really interesting, and I think we're going to see more and more. It's it's a little bit what EF have done with Lachlan Morton, and that kind of out calendar and all these different things is trying to tap into that that real vibe. It's kind of it's more relatable. It's more, um, yeah, it's not too polished. It's just people being themselves. Um, there's a, I think there's a need for it in cycling and all sports, probably. Mm. Yeah, very good, very good. And you've been doing a bit of Zwifting, mm. haven't you, as well? So have I. I've been Zwifting. That's why yeah. I'm, that's you, why I'm you, feeling yeah, so excited. You got on today. I did, yeah. Yeah, I tell you what, it's suddenly, it's suddenly kind of, I mean, it's, it's obviously not just kicked off. It's been f- five, six years, isn't it? Eric, <laughs> yeah. man, the guy who founded it years ago. Kicked off years ago. But, um, we're, we're only just discovering kicked off, it. Kicked off. We're just, we're, <laughs> I was an early adopter, then missed out the middle, then I got back in yeah. late adopter. Yeah. And so we started these chapter three weekly rides on Tuesday, Tuesday chain gangs. Okay, so you've got so, to tell me about how those work because I know, you know, chapter three is obviously not the only organization that does that. I simply don't yeah. understand what happens. Like, okay, what, so, okay, so what happens? How is, do you ride virtually so you, with someone? I don't understand. Yeah, so you go on to, um, there's a couple of ways of doing it. The yeah. best thing is if you've got the Zwift companion app. Right. Uh, I'm doing my advertising bit now, but not really because I'm not paid by Zwift or anything. No. You can go in and it's got events. And you go to your events and you can then click it and go join. Yeah. And then when you go into your Zwift, it will have these things in the right and you can click on to it to go into that event and oh, okay. sort of set time you go in there. Okay. But, then once you're in there, if you've got the companion app, um, and you'll see all these messages keep popping up on the side. Right. And if you're on a... a, a for an, from sorry, everyone who's signed small. up to do that ride or to do that for thing. Everyone's yeah. signed up. You're in there. And it's basically okay. you're, you're going into um, a group. Okay. Uh, and it's, a, it's an organized group. Now, there's different ways of doing it. You can do an open one where it's set, starts at a designated time. And then it's just a free for all. We've got ones where they can kind of put this fence around you, a rubber band, which kind of keeps the group together the whole time. Oh, okay. Uh, and there's other ones where you can actually engage it, do training sessions where it plugs into the ergometer and changes the power. But what's most interesting is you can have, you start the ride and you can, the ride leader will have a yellow kind of beam on them or a yellow arrow. And when they talk, 
that comes up on the screen, kind of like big capital letters sort of. And they are essentially kind of rallying and asking, telling people what they're going to do with the ride. It's like, okay, guys, we'll do the next five minutes easy. Or is anyone got any okay. questions? Is that you? Or, are you the leader, David? Are you leading? I'm the leader. Very yeah. good. Very good. So I'm leading an hour one. Okay. And then people can send, people can then but, message and it just pops up on the right. And no, you can choose to respond or not. How do people message? They have to type stuff. That's what I can't get my head around. Take their hands off the handlebars yeah. and basically use this use their app yeah, and to type a message kind of, and just type in like sending a, a text message. I suppose you can take um, your hands off the handlebars. Like there's no, yeah, there's no, possible. you don't have to it's really have, safe. you don't really have to wear a helmet or anything, do you? But so. wait, Ned, this yeah. is going to blow your mind. Okay, go on. So it's also, <laughs> it's so hard. Is, it's, this is quite an old kind of app that a lot of people use on, on so it's called Discord. Yeah. Where you can create a voice kind of group. Ooh. So what you do is you'd start the ride. So when it starts, Everyone who's on the rider who chooses to can sign up to be in the Discord group. And then you turn it on and you can talk live to people. So that's sitting separately. So actually, when you're on the ride, you're talking. So what what we could do, now this is like crazy talk, is if we were to have a group ride, you and I could go, okay, we're going to do a Discord group. And everyone on the ride could sign up and come into that group. We could mute everyone's microphones and it would just be you and me who would have our microphones live. It's kind of rude. And we could talk live to each other. And then people could also send text messages on the screen. So, yeah. So you can do it that way. Or you can, but if you leave it open, then it turns into chaos yeah, up to a sure. certain number. Yeah, yeah, but you'd yeah. want to, you could choose moments where you could open it up. Okay. And kind of, so, but it's the engagement things. what's really interesting. What's been my most mind-blowing in the last few weeks of kind of doing some research and getting into it. It's an amazing community. Like the Zwift community is pretty hardcore. Mm. Mm. And they they do their regular rides, they meet up and they co- create their groups and and they they do it for as much for social reasons as they do for fitness. Mm. to go on and just ride with people because a lot of people don't have the time mm. to go out and 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 ride outside so they'll yeah, it's true in it's true they kind of an hour and get 40 minutes half an hour and meet up people all over the world or wherever and <laughs> and riff and chats and ride around weird places and and you can choose your different groups. If you want to have a social ride, you want to have a headbanging ride. You literally, you by the way, to... you literally sound like you're working for Zwift. Just to reiterate, oh, you've yeah. never been paid oh, a penny by Zwift, have you? No, I've I mean, never been paid a penny pretty, by Zwift. Pretty much yeah. only the Apples who've ever really... And yeah, even them, just even them, the we're still chasing yeah. the invoices. Um, yeah. But, but um, so, yeah, well, yes, I mean, so, yes. So that's, what, so that's what we're doing. So, okay. th- so we're doing two things with Chapter 3. Go on, then. Tuesday so evenings. So Tuesday evenings. Tuesday UK is 7 p.m., isn't it? 7 p.m. On, okay. on Tuesday evenings. We're doing that every Tuesday, which is led by me, and we'll do different things. I was going to go, I was going to join up on, on Tuesday, but I rode so far in London that day, David. I saw you did 50 miles. I you did. Well, I, no, I, rode, that, to, I rode to Heathrow Airport to sign a load of road books. Then I rode from Heathrow Airport down to Molsey, where some relations live. And then I rode all the way from Molsey. It's a really long way. Like stopping and starting. That sounds like one of your super glamorous London rides. (laughs) It's one of those ones where at the end you just pick out all the soot from the corners of your eyes like that. Um, And your bike is filthy, so you just leave it there Uh, being filthy. Um, Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. So, I mean, Zwift, I don't know. When I broke my shoulder, I kind of reluctantly bought one because I knew I couldn't run or ride and I don't like not Mm. doing any kind of activity and... And that was it. So I was kind of forced onto it. And I, but I, so I do use it and I used it again today. And I, today I did the London circuit, which always makes me laugh. Have you done that with Box Hill? Yeah, that's right. I kind of, yeah, it's, it's great. Actually, no, we did a London flat circuit last Tuesday. We're doing Box Hill next year. The Box Tuesday. Hill one, 20K circuit. It's awesome. 
Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love the, the drone shot at the top. <sighs> yeah. 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 But what's quite funny is I was complaining about this during that London symposium that Alec Briggs and the rest of us were at the other day is that North London is quite sort of faithfully rendered, you know, north of the river. But then you cross, you go past the House of Parliament. You just go down and pop out in Surrey. (laughs) Exactly. They just edit out South London because none of the creatives who make Zwift have ever been to South London. You know, they don't. And even they're just not interested, you know. And Alec and I are both from kind of similar part of Southeast London. and, And, you know, we both, the first time we used it, we kind of like you cross over Lambeth Bridge and you think... Oh, hang on, am I in Burgess Park in Peckham now? Oh, no, I, c- I can't be. I don't reckon. Oh, hang on, I'm on Box Hill, and they've just like they've just nuked South London, like <laughs> just erased it. It's gone. It is, it's it's like, been cancelled. It's cancelled. Like Brunel. It's like isn't Bar Kingdom Brunel built a tunnel from north of the river to, down to, to, to Box, Box Hill? Hill. <laughs> I hate riding up uh, Box Hill virtually. By the way, I really hate it. It's horrible. Yeah, it's good. I get flashbacks. It's good. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and it's um. But yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing. So how many books have you signed? Oh, right. Well, they've all kind of sold out. I think it's just fulfilling orders that have already come in. I had to sign, I think I had to sign 700 the other day. That's, That's added to, we did a signed and we did a limited edition, numbered. That's the word I'm after, numbered and signed first editions that were 1,000 strong and they've all gone. And then we did another 700 signed ones and they've all gone. And then, so it's going really well. People are, that's very good. People are buying the book, which is really nice. And that's, and it's really nice because they've all started landing today in people's front doors, oh. you know, sort of thing. So people are unboxing them and it is that kind of, you know, it's not like a normal book where in some ways, you know, what's contained within is the, is the great weight of a book, you know, in, in terms of it's kind of, but, but, with the road book, it's a bit of both. It's also the object, you know, it kind of like, hold it in your hand mm. and you do suddenly feel that kind of two, yeah. two kilogram weight. And it's quite an impressive objet, David. Quite an impressive objet. Objet. Yeah. Objet yeah. yeah. Uh, can you send it to Europe? Have you dared that? Well, we're getting a bit Brexity. Don't, 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 don't try. Well, funnily enough, because I don't, you know, I don't, obviously I don't get involved in any of this kind of bit side of yeah. the, of the, of the operation, but I was mm. asking the guys down at this fulfillment center. So what is the Brexit thing? And what I didn't realise is that every I thought that if you exported it a product like that to the EU, there was one applicable tariff. But that's not the case, is it? So every single country the within the EU has its yeah. own rules and its own sort of thing. So if you buy it from Portugal, it's not gonna be the same terms as if you buy it from Netherlands. So and no, all that. It's, so it's a horror. So that's very good. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so it's another Brexit so bonus. So it's another Brexit bonus. <laughs> You yeah. can't sell Obshida <laughs> from UK to EU anymore. That's stupid. Why would you enable <laughs> it's that? Over. It's part of the culture war. You know. It's game over. <laughs> God damn it. Anyway, yeah. um, what have you been up to? Apart from that, so a bit of this, a bit of that. You know what I've been... Do you want to, uh, so I asked on Twitter, and this is where Twitter can be amazing, mm. a few days ago for some podcast um, recommendations yeah. for a oh, friend. Oh, you did, didn't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, I got. Uh, if anybody's listening who did send, uh, thank you because it's that's where Twitter comes to life when you ask for something kind of nice and interesting. Mm. Got dozens and dozens of <clears throat> responses, and so I actually showed my friend, but then I went in and, and started choosing things, and I found this podcast called Thirteen Minutes Thirteen Minutes to the Moon, and it's a BBC podcast. Oh, I think that sounds quite. Yes, yeah, a few. I've had that phenomenal. recommended. Is it you like all that sort of spacey stuff? Well, I oh, like the spacey I stuff as well. It. Yeah. So what have you learned? The production's 
just just the pro- number of the productions amazing so it mixes in interviews that he's done i think it's kevin fong i want to say is okay. the uh, the writer and the presenter yeah he's got a great voice and a great presenter and but he's he also worked at nasa for a time and studied astrophysics and but he goes and meets some of the astronauts and some of the key players but also is using archive <clears throat> archive interviews and different things and also actual um radio recordings from the apollo missions and it becomes the most colorful beautiful piece of kind of storytelling and i just i'm listening to it everywhere now if i get some moments i'm just keep putting it on and because i'm totally hooked and some of the characters you meet are just are simply phenomenal uh, and it does sort of remind you of just how exceptional it was what they were doing but one of my big takeaways is being even now because i'm 44 and we're, we're getting older uh and i think uh and I'm going, oh, the young, the young people are so good uh, in even everything I'm doing at the moment. But then I didn't realize this. The average age of mission control in the Apollo missions was 27 years old. Wow. So, so it's kind of, it's always been the same way. Those kids in the 20s are the best. Um, and you have certain characters that transcend, that lead them, that guide them. But the majority are young. And just some of the stories of how they were leading those teams and the individual characters, you were like, wow, this is... And and one of my big takeaways was what was so important about things like that is is the sense of adventure and how it pushes excellence and it pushes camaraderie and it pushes tr- pushes the boundaries of what we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, because that was one of the... Throughout it, almost all every single person in there uh, they talk to will say it was the peak of their profession. Uh, it was when they were at their best, and even those in their twenties. And and there's a couple of women as well who are software uh, designers. That's where the, even the word software was created when they were doing that. Software. Um, it's a very curious word, isn't software, it? Yeah, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, because it's a hardware, hardware and, and software. software. Yeah, yeah. So so I can recommend that, and it's been, and I'm still once we've finished our podcast i'll go to bed and and put it on carry on because i'm good recommendation sinker into it good recommendation good recommendation i really like it um yeah they're going back to the moon aren't they i heard it on the radio this morning they're kind of planning to go back to the moon i don't know what i feel about that really i don't know what i feel about going back to the moon i don't know why mixed emotions no i'm mixed emotions on that one i I don't think it'd be it won't be a carbon neutral voyage will it i don't think (laughs) particularly it's Uh, it's about a kind of it's that idea by there's the 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 concept that by doing it you force us to look at our planet differently yeah and appreciate it more is is one of the reasons and then the technology developed to accomplish it helps us down here as well um so there are bigger picture kind of ideas it's like the idea that a lot of what Elon Musk is doing with Tesla is actually it's just a cover for developing batteries. The cars don't really matter that much, um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. And I, I I'm a big advocate and a big fan of all that kind of Star Trek sort of idea. But at the same time, you're like Jesus. That's a lot of money you could put it into fixing things here as well. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. 
I would agree. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. I, I, also from the BBC's stable, I heard the first of the um, John Ronson... Uh, well, it's a radio series, really, but it's available to download on the BBC, you know, via the BBC thing about... Um, it's called Things Fall Apart, I think. And, um, That's one of the recommendations I got as well. Oh, so good, David. It's yeah. so good. So he's like... John Ronson is a writer I've greatly admired and occasionally correspond with... Um, because uh, did he write the psychopath book? Yeah, he wrote exactly, he, and he wrote "Men Who Stare at Goats." Do you remember that? Oh yeah, about the kind I of like weird, the weird yeah. U.S. military experiments in the late 1950s, early 60s. Oh, I started that book. Yeah, I did start where it, they yeah. thought they could, they thought they could, you know, kill psycho, just like they use kinetic kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, they could kill people by staring yeah. at them, and so they experimented with that yeah. and all that sort of thing. And then he yeah. wrote, yeah, and then he wrote um, more recently. He wrote how. Um, he wrote that very interesting book about um, you've so you've um, lots of our listeners will have read all these books so I'm kind of I, I'm very conscious of that you'll remember it much better than I do but he wrote that book um, so you've been publicly shamed which is very interesting about um, oh. about you know getting things wrong and upsetting people on the internet and becoming this becoming the victim of a pylon, you know, um, really getting getting it, you know. Some 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 of the characters he meets for better, you know, because they have really said something and done something and believe things that are egregious. Other people fall much more into the middle ground where they, they you know, they may have just come up with an appalling turn of phrase, but there are several different ways of interpreting it and depending on the context, but there is no context on the internet once it gathers a certain momentum I, I and all can... this sort of thing. I can bring this back to cycling. Great. <laughs> Sergio Aguita. Sergio Aguita. What happened to him? Was he wearing his Bora Hansgrohe shorts or something? Or what was he wearing? No, what? he was riding a specialized bike. And so. Um, was that on that clip? Classic. Was that on that clip that he and yeah, Danny just, Martinez posted where they're just smashing people up. on a sportive? Yeah. Okay, right, yeah. And so he was on his. Because he should be riding Cannondale. And EF have done this before, by the way. I think they did it to Swain Tuff back in the day. So EF, the cuddly, friendly team, um, the alternative team, uh, catch a glimpse of him on, uh, just for, for the listeners' sake. Yeah. Um, professional cyclists have a contract from January the 1st to December the 31st, and that's every single pro cyclist has that same contract. Mm. Yeah. Generally, you start working with your new team in November. Yeah. Uh, once you stop racing in the calendar year, so, you will then get go even to a team camp, but you'll still wear your old team's kit. So the you'll first be given the bike for the next year. The first time, yeah. The first time I I was ever because it's such a strange thing, isn't it? And you don't get it in any other sport. Yeah. This kind of weird crossover and hodgepodge mm. situation. The first time I ever knew about that, David, was when I was trying to make a behind the scenes documentary. Um, with your sister's kind of uh, involvement as well, back in 2009 about the formation of Team Sky. And we were doing sort of behind-the-scenes filming. We went to Tuscany with with Fran and with David Brailsford and with Shane Sutton and Max Chandry and stuff like that. But we also did a day's filming, a couple of days actually, at their first November team camp for the riders they'd signed. You know, the Ben Swifts and the Lars Petter Nordhaugs and Thomas Lovqvists of the world. Edvard Bursenhagen and and they were all turning up in their weird like so there was they, he yeah. was just so they were doing kind of like um tests on on turbos and there was Edvard Bursenhagen wearing the yellow of HTC Columbia you know <laughs> and and they were all wandering around it was so strange it was just the yeah. weirdest thing and I thought how 
I mean, I quite like it. I quite like that. I think it's one of cycling it's, strange anomalies. It's but... cycling, isn't it? So anyway, it's, so going back to Igita, yeah. so he was riding a specialised bike, which is a bit so of a... So going back to what you were saying, yeah. the, the context of the, the Ronson book mm. was... Um, so EF uh, fired him, basically. Did they? Um, yeah. Well, that's what it did. And it went so, viral immediately. So, fire, so firing but, him in that context so would, is, mean, would mean they're wriggling out of two months' salary. Kind, exactly. kind of thing, right? So they're saving themselves whatever exactly. that is. Exactly. That's a pretty cheap so shot. It's, yeah. it's, it's, there's two things to that because, and this is where the masses, this is where, again, social media is a, a two-edged sword. Mm. Uh, immediately, the social media and all the audience were like, well, you can't do that. It's like, why would you do that? That's Even everyone knew it was petty. It's, you know, it's a fun thing. We've just watched him racing up that. He's raced for you well this year. Also, he's, wasn't he wearing the big, I mean, like only bike nerds. He was fully effed. So he couldn't, he couldn't be more EF. And, and the whole video, I've just said, was that the video? So I watched it and was barely, I wouldn't have noticed And which it bike. was a joyous yeah. video. It yeah. was a joyous video. So they gained a lot um, of, of exposure because uh, of what so they did. got like, a lot of exposure because it was all EF. No one noticed. Oh, and, and, oh, and this is what it links to. Do, do you know a thing called the Streisand effect? Uh, no. As no. In, no. So this is something I learned because of this as well. So we're, we're really going kind of tangent now. Well, that's a surprise. So this, yeah. is, mm. this is amazing. So um, Barbara Streisand <laughs> in the early 2000s, yeah. uh, a photo was taken. Um, Yentl. Uh, the, Did you ever watch Yentl? Uh, no. It's the only Barbara Streisand film I can think of at the moment. But carry on. Um, but she was a singer primarily, wasn't she? Or she yeah. Was she, sang? she was certainly a singer. Not so much an actress. She's a singer acted or an actor who's she, she She certainly acts in, in Yentl or at least is employed to act. She's like Lady Gaga over her times. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say, yeah, it's an interesting parallel. I really like Lady Gaga. I think she's great. I love her. I think she's great. Yeah. Um, but anyway, anyway <laughs> back to the Streisand effect. Mm-hmm. So you have um, a photo was Except taken. Except showing... for when the tour series launched in 2009 or whenever it was, Mick Bennett and Sweetspot insisted on playing Poker Face P- 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 poker face, p- poker face at a million decibels every, day. every single oh, day cool. at the start line while he, they were holding the riders uh, for the start. So that's the only that's the only non Lady Gaga celebratory moment I can think of. Anyway, going back to Stry's, the Streisand effect. So Streisand effect. So Streisand effect is a picture was taken uh, in California. I think it was California of coastal erosion, and it was showing a cliff that was just going. And the big house that was in the shot was Barbara Streisand's palatial Californian coastal house. What? And it was threatened so, It was threatened by the erosion or... No, not particularly. I just, don't know, but it was being used as an example okay, of what fine. was happening yep. and how erosion was happening. Okay. And so she kicked off and uh, sued the publication and that you can't show my house and all this. Hmm. And it, it, it exploded. And all of a sudden, an image in a story that no one would have cared about became this huge story and everybody knew Barbara Streisand's house. Unintended consequence. An unintended consequence. Streisand effect. And so basically, that's what happened with the Gita. It was a Streisand effect. No one would have noticed he was on the S-Works bike or a handful of people. But now, the specialized bike, but now that they kicked off EF, they kicked in Streisand effects, which now everyone is going, oh yeah, he's on that bike. So why are you doing that? (laughs) So they become the bad guy. So all of a sudden, Barbara Streisand was trying to protect her privacy. And then all of a sudden, it's like, 
well, we didn't care about your house. Now we all want to see your house. Everyone's going trying to find where our house is, looking at more pictures of it and asking more questions. And so, yeah. So there you go. So That's EF the Streisand effect. I like it. The that's Streisand effect. surprisingly yeah. common, isn't it? The Streisand effect. Well, I've never heard that yeah. phrase before. That's that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it is really interesting. But, but that's, and that's going back to the idea you said about social media. It's got, it's got its pros and cons. But if you, if you flag something that means a lot to you and ergo you think it's important, you get sucked into the idea where actually the majority don't care. But if you make a big deal out of it, it explodes. And so you've got to be really careful with social media in that respect. You do. You do. Yeah. Um, I, well, I yeah. discovered that yesterday when I posted some poetry. <laughs> oh, how did that go? Homespun poetry. I can't, I can't say that it was a... I didn't. I haven't read you. I haven't read your poetry. You sent me. Well, we were actually, we were we yeah. were on WhatsApp, weren't we, talking about free diving? Yeah, because you were. Yeah. <coughs> excuse me. Last night you were listening to some free divers talk. Yeah. Uh, I was at a Girona <coughs> sort of think tank getting some athletes together, and there was a wonderful uh, young lady called Isabella there, who's a free diver, and she spoke very eloquently. And um, and I sent a message to you, and I was like, uh, I'm at this event. I'm going to be late, and, and you're like, okay, we'll do it tomorrow. And I said, there's a freediver talking. And you said, freediving, <laughs> it's uh, mad. Yeah. And he said, oh, I wrote a poem about that. And you sent me a poem <laughs> that I haven't opened yet. Do you want to hear it? If you got your... Do you want to hear it? I'd love to hear it. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to give you the context. Um, it was my... In 2019... <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Because it's pretty odd. In 2019, I... At the end of the Giro di Sicilia, after the race had finished on the Sunday or the Monday morning or whatever it was, I had breakfast with a... Australian rider, no, no, sorry, a Kiwi rider, <coughs> New Zealander, who was riding for, oh, I can't even remember, oh, the, the Israel team in its previous incarnation. And I, to my shame now, off the top of my head, I can't remember his name, but I know that you know him, David. Because uh, um, we spoke, about, I think you've met him, but I can't remember his name now. Um, anyway, we, I, he's a really nice guy, and I'll try and find his name and put it in the show notes. <laughs> um, but but um, he was a really nice guy, and we were speaking about this, that, and the other. And he started to talk to me about how he spends his off-season going to Thailand and places like that and does free diving, and he's really very good at it. And then he told me all about free diving, you know, which is this whole concept of you just go down and down, and you you train your body to... <clears throat> you train your body <clears throat> to... to uh, to you know to hold your breath for enormous periods of time plus live under this um but he also told me about this i think i remember if i remember rightly he told me about this point in buoyancy and the way that the human body relates to water in that you get to around about 25 meters down i think he said at which point Mm -hmm. you will sink water pressure will put you down you are no longer buoyant do you see what i mean Hmm. Which is, yeah, yeah, that's become, how people become less dive. Than neutral. Exactly. So you yeah. pass that neutrality point kind of around about, I think he said around about 25 meters. And that terrifying it notion. So it, wasn't George, it wasn't George Bennett. It wasn't Dion Smith. It wasn't Paddy Bevan because he'd remember that. No, he wasn't a World Tour. Jack no, he wasn't. No, um, no, wasn't no, he wasn't, wasn't one Tom of Tom Scully, Sam Bewley, no. Aaron Gate, James Oram, Jason Christie. Oh, God. Julian No, it wasn't any of the real hitters. I can't remember his name. I'll have to find it. But, um, I mean, he wrote, he wrote for the Israel. I mean, it was pretty easy for people to Google. Um, in 2019, he was at the Giro de Sicilia racing for the Israel team. Anyway, okay. it was poor. Like, I wrote this kind of riff 
really about because that had been a very wet edition of the race and i kind of wrote this little riff about him and uh the wetness of the race in sicily and it goes like this from palermo with its arch baroque its pale cats whose silent passage through torpid streets none but the oldest and the youngest can fathom the race moved on now it rained from skies of ink bruised and tall too tall Water drummed whole hills towards retreat indoors, save that is for the racers, their course steering south, southwest skirting Etna's scowl and rolling over lava fields, millennia chilled and vast. It rained till the water turned warm on the skin of the boy from New Zealand, fair, cold and far from home. He rode towards the only end imaginable and dreamt of summer closing round him. Like seawaters of Thailand, into whose almighty clasp he'd cast himself free-diving. At twenty metres of depth, there was a point he knew of equilibrium, in which cold immensity the body passed from rising and fell to sinking. This sudden point of clarity, depth of descent, the fall. He wiped his visor dry to see the rutted tarmac ribbon unfurl before him and taste the metallic road spray of wheels ahead before the island race dropped with sudden shuddering towards water's only end and fell. There you go. It's right. It's very good. I really like that. Poetry. Still can't I remember enjoyed that. Oh, thank you very much, David. <laughs> no, I do. I genuinely like that. Yeah. Poetry's, poetry's quite magical, isn't it? You're big into your poetry, isn't it? I wish I was... I got all my... I, got, I collect poetry books, but I just never get my head around reading them. Yeah, it's not for everyone, is yeah. it, poetry? But um, I, I find it... yeah. yeah. It's just occasionally. I quite like taking a book of poetry on an aeroplane with me. I think that's quite good fun. Yeah, yeah. Because because um, it kind of I get I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the talking about social media again and the connectivity of the world. But the one joy of the reprehensible process of flying that we should all curb massively. But um, you know, the one joy of flying is that you are disconnected from everything, aren't you? And that you can only. You can mm. only consume. I, I mean, I, I don't know how to download videos to my laptop. Mm. I've never done that. So um, I always read on planes and write. And uh, mm. poetry is one of the things that I kind of enjoy when I'm on, a, on an airplane. Yeah. Oh, that makes me think, that takes me back actually to, um, remember our confusion regards the moon? <laughs> I, had that, I think yeah. I've had that cleared up. But it's quite a long time. It was my confusion more than yours. To be fair, yeah, although we were you threw it a few. Trying to figure out. Yeah, go on. But I, I didn't realise this had been brought up from listening to 13 Minutes to the Moon. Yeah. Is that the far side of the moon is a pretty big deal because no one had really seen it. Or it was it was this idea where it's because the moon is essentially locked in orbit to us. And Yes. And... And so when Michael Collins, who was the, uh, and actually it was Apollo 8 that did the first mission that went out there and did the orbit of the moon. When they went to the dark side, the far side of the moon, which now Pink Floyd, far side of the moon and all that jazz, it makes mm. sense why they wrote that. Because- uh, so, yeah. So on the last, when we did the moon podcast, David, I erroneously <laughs> uh, suggested <laughs> that it was Sid Barrett, who you can hear on dark side of the moon saying, there is no dark side of the moon, really. Matter of fact, it's all dark, which is the fade out from dark side of the moon. Um, 
It's yeah. not Sid Barrett, as was um, corrected by one of our correspondents. Thank you very much. I've forgotten your name. Um, but it was actually, I think, I think you told me it was the Irish doorman from the studios who um, they just got to say that line because uh, they wanted an Irish voice or something. Brother. Like that. So there we go. So, yeah. so anyway. But yeah, yeah, the dark side of the moon. Yeah. Uh, um, big deal. Really uh, big deal. But this is really interesting. This is and uh, this is one of my takeaways so so far in the series, and it's great because you have all these interviews and these different things, and they drop in some of the interviews from the nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties, BBC correspondence. Oh, and I love all that stuff. Dry, man. crisp. Oh, it's brilliant. It's like the and it's good news. It's such- good news for the satsuma <laughs> consumer and all that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what doesn't happen anymore because one of the questions because they were asking about Apollo 8 and, and what's going on and the question was well have you prepared for them not coming back <laughs> do they have any pills oh, <laughs> oh what as in suicide Basics, pills yeah but as in suicide pills mm. and it was do they have a suicide pill and I think it actually even said suicide pill in order to take care if they do disappear tidy up and, tidy up the messiness yeah yeah <laughs> And uh, it was brilliant because I think it was one of the uh, the, the mission controllers who was doing the interview. He said, "No, they'll they'll die of uh, asphyxiation. <laughs> it'll uh, it'll be quite a peaceful death." <laughs> and but he said, and this is what I loved. What he said, "But they're test pilots. They will keep trying to come back until they die." Wow! And it was just this amazing sort of just dry practicality about it, and it was. And it was that kind of idea. These, these were all test pilots and they were sent up there because they knew they would keep, they would do everything. There would be no breakdowns. There would be no emotional uh, meltdowns. They were up there to do a job and they'd get it done. Uh, and I, I just kind of, that those are the sort of things we don't really hear about anymore. We're always getting kind of wrapped up in our, our own little spaces. But when you're given a job that big, you find the right people and they go up there and they get it done. And it was like, no, they'll die peacefully. It's uh, asphyxiation. Amazing. Uh, Amazing. I can guarantee, I can guarantee you they will try to get back until they do. And you were yeah. like, God damn it. That's cool. Yeah. 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 So it's a, it's a beautiful series of many levels. There's many different levels to it. But it's uh, it's very much human condition, and it's not just about blokes. It's uh, some amazing stories about women who are breaking barriers, who who are doing things then that were just uh, have set the tone for for much of what we're doing now. Um, so yeah, good series. But that yeah. was my my moon thing. Very good. I mean, as far as I remember, David, what what I was schooled on about the whole because co- I kind of I was my hypothesis was that it was all a massive coincidence, right? And therefore, God exists. I think that was my mm. that was my hypothesis. But one of the coincidences was, I think, unmasked when people actually corrected me as not really being a coincidence. So the fact that uh, the moon always faces in the same aspect to the planet Earth, yeah, is actually because its rotation was not... It's still rotating, but it's just not... No, no it... it, it itself well, is uh, to the sun yeah yes but, but not, not in relation to yeah exactly so here we go theory of relativity isn't it so <laughs> so oh god we're getting in deep again here. <laughs> you're right i think we've had this conversation already though haven't we yeah. i think yeah, you're probably. right it's rotating but only but uh, it, relative to the earth it's not rotating right it's fixed it's, it's fixed, it's fixed. It's and fixed. the reason it's fixed is because it's in the thrall of the earth's gravity 
And the reason for that yeah, is it's locked. because the speed of its rotation around its axis was never fast enough to, it, it kind of slow, it, it wasn't, it wouldn't, I don't know what I'm talking about. It wasn't fast enough. Yeah, but it's but, just a shame that listeners can't see your hand signals. And how you're well, you've just you've got a swivel hand. chair, and you, you've got the great I advantage of having swivel. a swivel chair. You were literally because you've got a swivel chair. You can <laughs> totally go three sixty three sixty degrees. You your head is now planet Earth, and you're holding like Hamlet and Horatio's skull. You're holding an imaginary moon. It's an incredibly impressive thing, and I'm yeah, I, I have to be spinning at the same time. So so, that's so here's the point, right? So this what this is my next confusion, right? I kind of get the idea that the moon then, <laughs> the gravity exerted on the moon by the Earth brings it to a standstill. Yeah, I kind of see that. I can kind of feel yeah. that almost. And I don't even know if it's right, but it seems explicable. Doable. It is <laughs> doable. Is that same thing? Because the Earth is to the sun what the moon is to the Earth. So is the Earth slowing down eventually so that whenever that happens it will only there'll be a dark side of the earth <gasps> and the earth would just always face the same way to the sun wow that's a question isn't it perpetual night mm. perpetual night or perpetual day i went to arkhangelsk in russia in uh, midsummer for the the summer solstice june 21st in 1991 and uh, I, th- I, I was only there for about five days and I went mad, David, because it was white nights or what they call in Russian? something. And it was the most insane experience of my life. Okay, we had wow. flimsy little curtains in this, the only hotel in Archangelsk with a KGB agent outside my door. And oh, God, those um, are the days. And, and it was beautiful blue sky every single day in this industrial hellhole, Archangelsk. And the sun shone into, like, well, not all the time, but it was basically broad daylight outside my room, 24 hours a day. And after about three days, I was a dribbling, insane mess. I was like one of the kind of LSD experiments from a John Ronson book. <laughs> yeah. That's what it would be like if the Earth, if the Earth yeah. stops spinning on its axis. Yeah, it would just be perpetual summer on one side and perpetual winter on the other side. Pick your sides. (laughs) Yeah, huge. Everyone would rush around (laughs) to the sunny side, I guess. You know what everyone do? They, they, the the land that is on the the split would become such hot property because you'd want to have a sun house and a night house. Yeah, and And inevitably that would be Dubai. And Abu Dhabi, wouldn't it? In, yeah. Just by they'd luck they'd out. Win. So that's where everyone would end yeah. up in Abu Dhabi. And Dubai, David, I think that's probably what's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Mm. Have we got any, um, I guess we've got another cycling news. I'm just trying to think of like, Well, no, the, uh, there was a bit of cycling news that we <clears throat> omitted to talk about um, last time around. And that's Alex Dowsett's our record attempt. In Mexico, in Mexico. Oh, we forgot uh, about that, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, which good on him. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't break the record, but he, um, he gave it a great go. And he, from what I understand, I didn't, I didn't watch it, but he came up with an absolutely fabulous quote, didn't he? About you know that. Oh, that was a great quote. Yeah, like what was it? If not having, um, not, not having tried would be worse than than than, than not uh, breaking the record. Yeah, 
Yeah. 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 And, uh, Which is true. Yeah. I think he had a good half an hour to think about that quote. Poor bugger. Yeah, because it became apparent. I mean, that's a horrible thing about the hour yeah. record, I guess. But um, hats off to him. That's 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 really hard to do <laughs> to kind of keep going when it's all just crumbling apart. You could have had a crack. You could have had a pop at that back in the day, David. I know. I know. Did it ever cross your? Did it ever enter your thinking? You needed a team of people around you at the time, um, and Chris. Our friend Chris had set, set it so far, and then they changed all the rules, yep. and then it became quite confusing and actually got devalued for a while, because then it went back to the, the Merck's record, and everyone was very confused for a good decade about what the, the hour record was. Um, and so by the time that they changed the rules back, I didn't see, I could have definitely given it a good go, that's for sure, but I just didn't didn't have the team around me and didn't think about it enough. It was yeah. a, it was one of those, Peter Keane, who I remember him messaging me. Did he? This would be 2010 or something. And he said, Dave, you're going to go for our record. And I was like, why is it? They changed the rules. It's back to, so he actually got in touch with me to say you should go for it. But I was so mixed up in my road racing and, you know, and all different things. And, and I was out of the British system. If I was in the British system, I could have got it done easily. But yeah, it's not a regret, but it's it's something I, I know I could have done. And it's sort of like, oh, it's kind of silly. I should have done that. But um, but yeah, it's super cool. It's a weird what, one, the hour record. What did Peter Keane go on to do with the rest of his career? Because I, I only, only know, the, you know the, the stuff that he did with Chris and I... I don't know what happened after so that. So then he then went off and I think uh, went into the corporate world and did Glaxo. Uh, he was in GlaxoSmithKline for a while okay. at quite a high level. Okay. Uh, then he became uh, chairman of UK Sport and different things. So he's, you know, there's a great story. This is actually, I think I've written about it. Maybe I didn't write about this in my book. So Peter Keane, um, he was the coach of Chris Boardman back in the early 1990s. Um and, and Chris is uh, always very diligent when he's interviewed about that period in his life about crediting yeah. Peter, isn't he? He always makes a point of saying yeah. it was a, it was Peter. Yeah, yeah. So this is the the early nineties, mid nineties, and during this time as well was was when the prospect of the lottery coming into the UK because it hadn't existed and it had to go through a, a lot of lobbying uh, and a lot of uh, sign offs. It was a governmental, basically a state owned gig, the lottery. Uh, and one of the reasons, the justifications and the lobbying was that if we did, if the UK government allowed the lottery, then it would give a lot of money to sports and arts and all these different areas that was underfunded. So all sports were asked to give basically a business plan with what they would do with money if they got it. So oh. all sports were asked to pitch, mm-hmm. basically, to get the initial, first of all, to help the lobbying. But also then, once the first lottery was launched, they would allocate kind of money to these business plans. Peter Keane wrote the most amazing business plan, apparently, that was like a decade long, which uh, eventually led to Tour de France success. Um, and this was, by this point, late, early 2000s. And Peter Keane was then head of British Cycling. Uh, like the performance director, and he realized it was escalating and knew that he wasn't a, a, a man manager or couldn't essentially deliver the beast he'd created. So his friend was Dave Brailsford, 
Um, and he asked Dave to come in and take it over. And that's where it begins. And so, so Peter Keane was the architect of everything we know now uh, about British cycling success. And also probably how the whole of cycling as a sport has changed all came from Peter Keane's business plan and vision for what British cycling could be in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and then Dave Wilson delivered it and ran with it. And then Peter Keane went off and did it with with other different things. He's a very humble man. Uh, and I think How he's done different things. That's super interesting. Yeah. And you're right. I don't yeah. even, actually, I don't even know really what Peter Keane looks like. You know, I know yeah. he figures in Chris yeah. Baldwin's film a little bit and stuff, but he's, yeah, very low profile, but what mm. a contribution and... Mm kind of amazing to think the that, architect that, that that presentation that particular pitch that proposal yeah was so good. <laughs> you know they might have looked at it and gone yeah we'll do canoeing yeah um, <laughs> like, that's a good pitch we'll take it let's go yeah but yeah in which case yeah. you and i yeah. might not have careers in cycling well we haven't really got a career in cycling media. yeah you know yeah. it's so true yeah. no, none of this would a lot of rafa wouldn't exist melinda apples wouldn't be yeah. so heavily involved in melinda apples wouldn't have had such no. great success yeah so across the world it's true um it's true but yeah consequences but there we go. unintended consequences david sliding doors chaos effect. Butterfly effect yeah butterfly effect that's what oh how was how was pete by the way how was pete can you Podcast his hair's looking interesting. I thought yeah. his hair was looking interesting. The first thing I did to him was say, "One number one, you're look really, looking really skinny. Number two, what's going on with the hair? And I ruffled his hair. Mm. <laughs> like that. Yeah, but it's like, yeah. it's quite a kind of, um, it's quite a fringe. Isn't it's it? a it's monk. Quite, it's quite a heavy fringe. He's let it grow in a bit, thicken, looks... thickened out a little bit. So it's kind of, um, you know, but he's... It, Do you want to know the truth? I saw it. The first time I saw it was around Halloween. I thought he was wearing a wig. I thought he was, and then I saw it was actually, his, it's, no, this is a look. Do you think he listens to yeah. Never Strays Far? Not this far in, no. <laughs> We're deep in now. Deep 52 in. minutes. Are we 52 minutes? Yeah. We'll have to close. Um, but what yeah. I am trying to do with regards to um, Pretty Podcast Pete is I'm trying with the Ruler people to access an audio file of... Oh, I'd love to hear his... Cycling News View and his, his Beckettian extraordinary Cavendish monologue at the end because... I literally oh. can't remember what he said, but I know it was amazing. And I'd like to hear the recording. Oh, now. let's get it. And I think we could do a bit like your dream analysis. I think collectively, you and I could maybe unpick it uh, and give him the full kind of yeah. therapist's couch um, kind of deal on that, because I think it might help. <laughs> let's do it. Let's, let's like a whole podcast based on that. Yeah. And, uh, I have, I'm trying to line up a, a couple of other guests because I do realise it's just you and me rambling onto each other. By the way, we had mm. no idea when we started today what we'd end up talking about. But curiously, yeah. we've almost managed to talk for an hour. Um, but I have got a couple of guests lined up, um, one of whom I've put a request in, David, for, to, for us to be joined by Guillaume Martin. <sighs> because... Guillaume's just got another it's a little bit because oh, he's, he's on a book tour as well. Basically. Yeah, he's just he's just yesterday, I think he just um, released his second book, La Société du Peloton, uh, oh. and I've ordered it, so it's, that's arriving in the post in the next couple of days. I'm going to have a, give it give it a little read, and I want to talk to him about his um, his his book because I think it's high time we had Guillaume Batza on the podcast. Uh, and who else? Other people, but they're all I can't reveal their names until it's all in the bag. But it's pretty exciting, Dave. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. All right. Very good. Okay, well, let me get this edited. Are you going to join me on Swift next week? Uh, Tuesday? Yeah, I will. 
I will. Yeah. Um, let's do it. I, I will. I, I, you know, my Swift setup. I'm in the, sh- I'm in the bike shed, which is just the shed at the back of the house. Horrible place, yeah. really. Um, and I can't get Swift onto my laptop or onto my computer, so I actually only use Swift on my phone. It's the tiniest little screen. <laughs> By the okay, way, I've wanted to ask you this. I did the London circuit um, today, and I did it in. 39, I can't, 38 minutes or something like that. I averaged mm. uh, 198 watts. That's good. Is that good? That's good. <laughs> For a man of my no, age. That's, it nearly that's killed good. me though. How hard were you going? Oh, pretty hard. Got to the top of the box What's hill. What's your heart rate? I don't know. Do I haven't got, no, I haven't got a heart rate monitor. I'm one of those guys. No, so I, I make a point of it. You know Zwift... Um, I, I have know still, you make a point of everything. I know, but um, it's pathetic, really. It's the same way that when I go to Sainsbury's, they say, have you got your Nectar card? And I say, nope. <sighs> no. <laughs> no, I haven't. I'm not playing your Take little game. that. I'm not playing your little Take game. Take that. And yet I go to Sainsbury's pretty much every day. And I have done for 10 years. But I refuse to take their discounts because I don't it's want just, them to own me. So in yeah, the same the way... Man. The man can go. Exactly. I'm, I'm just, I'm an independent spirit. So, nope, I am not having your nectar card with your discounts and all that. But with so, do you ride with on Zwift, Zwift in your shed? So do you ride in like just um, a pair of underpants? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't even want to see what I'm wearing actually on the bike. But my avatar, so I've been on it for a year now, Zwift. My avatar is um, like the basic avatar, you know, like the entry level one. Yeah, yeah, just, just, just the orange guy. Left. I'm just the orange yeah, guy, orange. and I've I have they've given me like a dozen upgrades to buy bits of stuff, and I've just gone nope, yeah. I'm not interested, thanks. <laughs> so I'll just carry on. So I haven't I haven't accepted any <laughs> so, of their little incentive wait, things. What's, what's your name on Swift? Because I looked you up. And I no, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. I'll tell you, but I'm not going to tell you on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell because I quite like being anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> but i tell you what I'll, I'll whatsapp it to you now wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I'll, I'll whatsapp it to you now but you're not to say it out loud <laughs> but i'm i'm an orange guy i'm just the orange guy <laughs> have you got whatsapp open there you go i got it of course you are <laughs> that makes total sense just a normal guy Floating around in Zwift. <laughs> All right, I'll join you on the. I'll join you on the ride. Oh, by the way, by the way, the Kiwi rider. He'll be doing it in that. He'll be doing it in that name as well. <laughs> yeah, I will. Don't say the name. Um, the, the, a name I will say though. The Kiwi rider, whose name I shamefully forgot, um, about whom I wrote that poem, was Hamish, and I can't remember how he pronounced his second name, but I think it's Schroes. Um. I did ask him how I pronounce, uh, pronounce his name and he did Shrews. tell me, but I can't Shrews. remember. And I think you told me you met him once, David, because I used to live in Girona. I might have done. Anyway, yeah, really nice guy. I think I might have done. Yeah. So there you go. Very good. Very good. Right. Send me this audio file and I will upload it for the people of the internet. I'll do that. Thanks. Bye, Ned. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.